0: There are a few things I want to say before we start this conversation. First, this episode could easily have been named Why Your Small Group Sucks or Deconstruction, The New Way to Self-Destruction. I decided to name it Millennials and Other Groups the Church Forgot because I think it's a real problem that we need to talk about. The next thing I want to mention is the technical difficulties I've experienced. When I started editing this episode, I realized there were some sound problems I didn't catch while recording. I thought about scrapping the footage, but decided not to. I really feel this conversation needs to be posted. I don't script my podcast because I believe the real magic happens serendipitously. It's difficult to recreate this kind of stuff, and it would sound fake if I tried. Finally, this episode is actually the second part of my conversation with Renee Legge. She's an amazing woman who uses her entrepreneurial skills to help a part of the church that feels ignored. Her ministry's name is called Catalyst. And the reason I'm starting with the second part is because here at the Chasing the Kingdom podcast, we like to break rules and go against conventional thinking. Hey, sometimes that means not doing things in sequential order. As long as it's okay with God and it's effective, I say let's do it. Ready to break some rules with me? Let's go. Hey, welcome to Chasing the Kingdom, where our goal is to provide hope and wisdom for spirit-led entrepreneurs. I'm John Balawa, and I believe God wants to use entrepreneurs to make the world better. Romans eight nineteen says that the world is decaying and groaning for the revealing of God's sons and daughters. And that means the world needs you. And there are problems that can't be solved until you step into your God-given identity. If you want to stir up those gifts, then you're in the right place. Let's get hyped up for today's show. You had done something pretty amazing in God to accomplish what you done ministry-wise, you need you need you needed to have entrepreneurial skills. And so basically you have this ministry called catalyst and it kind of exploded. Yeah. Yes, it did. So what is catalyst?
1: Um Catalyst is long, uh, the short version. It's a ministry for people who are 30 and above, um, all around the Orlando area, um, believers in Christ to come together and just be seen and known and, and just to be connected. It's all churches. It's not just one church. It's, it's all churches around Orlando. Um, it actually, I'll tell you how it started really quick. The Lord, I was at a church and they were, every time they had small groups, you know how churches have, it's small group season, Everybody signed up to lead a small group or to be part of one. They do it like twice a year or something. Um, every time there would, there would be one, my friend would tell me, "Hey, you should lead one. And I'd be like, no. <laughs> and then finally, um, in I think 20, let's see, 19, 19 I believe. Um, she told me, hey, they're having the summer session. You should sign up and lead it. And I I looked into it, and they were all doing the same exact um, book of serve your city. And I love serving. I love homeless. I love just doing stuff for people. And they were all doing the same one, and it was all the same template. So I said, okay, I'll lead it. So the only thing I did on the website that was different was I put 30 and above because I saw the need for the 30 and above community, the people that, um, kind of fall through the cracks at churches. And I, I, by saying that, I mean, um, they have stuff for high school. They have stuff for 18 through 29 college and career, like big things that you can join. And then they have stuff for married couples. And what if you're about, you aged out of the, um, college and career, but you're not married and you're single, like there's nothing really in churches for those people. And so that's why I was like, well, I'll just do it for all the 30 and above. And that way, like if they're alone there, whatever, they can come here. We could just make this big family. And so really it it birthed out of me just saying yes to serving a small group. Like I had no plans for it. I did not sit down and game plan this. I did not, um, I did not write down my goals for it. (laughs) I just really just said yes to leading a small group during the summer. And then the Holy Spirit took over.
0: This this fascinates me, I think. Mainly because I'm a people watcher and I just love watching people and seeing patterns and, and how the culture affects behaviors, all those all those things. Are these mostly millennials that you're dealing with?
1: Um I would say when it first began, yes. Like I get to be back in, um, like, it's gone through a couple of phases of the Holy Spirit, like, saying, sure, we're going to move it this way. We're going to do this. Um, but, yes, I think a lot of them were millennials. And, um, yeah, they were just, like, had no place really to fit in this
0: Why is that? Why why are they so forgotten? Because you're not the first to say these. I've been hearing a lot of people say uh, who are in this group, Thirty and above mm-hmm. saying they feel forgotten
1: um well i think that churches tend they they focus on being very friendly um which is amazing and you know i've been to a lot of friendly churches where they wave to you and they're so nice and they think a high at the door but it doesn't ever go past that and th- there's It it is just kind of like a surface friendly. Like, yes, you can be an amazing friendly church. And that is amazing because there's some churches that aren't. I've been to churches where I walked through and not one person said hi to me. But just getting through a door and being said hi to, you, you still sit in your seat if you're by yourself and you're in your seat by yourself. And if no one is like aware to come and say, hi, how are you doing? You know, then the highs were nice at the door, but you're still lonely and and it isolated in your seat of a hundred people, you know.
0: A fire's coming up in me. And now I want to say stuff controversial. Do <laughs> it. When that happens, <laughs> I get a little scared. But I, I wanna I wanna do I it. Wanna do, it. <laughs> do it, do it. Uh, so um let me recalibrate my brain. So it does seem superficial.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: The Western church is superficial. Yes. It's not enough to give people... God likes you on a coffee coffee mug right. when you first come to church. Right. It's not enough to get a smile nope. directing you where to get your coffee before you enter the sanctuary. No. Nope. It's not enough to do these programs i have this great children's program at my church i yeah. have this great small group it's not enough nope we are lacking community yes now let's go back to the demographic are are most of these people single
1: yes i would say 98 percent of the people were single because the you're, when you're married, you at least have your spouse and then you probably have a kid or one on the way or a couple of them or, and you have your couple friends, you know, so, so it's not you join the the groups that kind of are dealing with a different thing, whereas being single at that age, I mean, a lot of people are married at 30 and 40. So the ones that aren't yet that are waiting for that, or that are, you know, it's lonely just anyways, just in life to not, you know, to be thinking, Lord, where's my person or I need someone. It's just me. Um, so it's lonely anyways. But then, especially like you said, at church, when you want to be, you know, we, we want to be part of a community and we want to fit in, we want to be seen and known, yeah, so it was definitely mostly single people.
0: Are these, are most of them people that were raised in church?
1: Um, I would say it was a, it was a good mix of just single people that were looking for like, oh, I can be part of that. Okay. Because I'll tell you, um, part of when I started Catalyst, you know, I said I had no agenda. I didn't have a plan. I didn't. But when I said yes to, um, leading, I knew I had control (laughs) Of my group, and I, I just knew certain things I wanted to do um, to make people feel seen and known and heard and connected. I wanted them to not just come to the small group because I've been to some small groups, and you go in and like you sit, and like those three girls are talking because they know each other, and so they are excited to see each other. And, and this is no disrespect to anybody, but like they're excited to see each other. And so they can talk about all the things because they know each other's lives and da 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 da, da. And then over here, these girls, and everybody is in their own world within this small group. So it still is like a mini version of walking in and everybody being friendly. Clicky. Yes, it's so clicky. It's so clicky, 100%. And so um, when I started, when I began to lead this small group, it it kind of flashed me back to when i was 16 and i was i would drive an hour to go to a youth group because i grew up in a small little town and and the churches were very small so i wanted more people (laughs) so i would drive an hour to orlando to go on wednesday night to this youth group and they were so friendly and they were so high at the door but like that's it like you said it was it was i won't say the people were superficial but the way that it was
0: Seems superficial. The system is superficial. The
1: system. Thank you. The system. If, If
0: the system is superficial, then the people are going to be superficial. Yes. I feel like not only are relationships superficial, Christians just don't know how to truly fellowship. Exactly. They think when the Bible says, do not forsake the fellowship of the saints, as some do, they think that means going to church. Right and they have no idea that they're, they're missing a huge piece that is important for their health, spiritually, emotionally, and physically, which is true fellowship. Yes. Um, but also, I feel like the teaching is superficial, the conversations are superficial. I, I, I feel like us as a church has have failed to speak about real life issues especially about sex and relationships. I agree 100%. So, what are the issues that you've seen in this in this niche that is forgotten?
1: Um well, I really truly feel like the first I don't even know if it's an issue but it's just loneliness. I mean, it's just literally they feel they want to be connected and part of something and, and not just like as I'm here and everybody said, hi, but like connected. And, and like I was saying, when I walk into that church as a teenager, I would sit down and I would look over and I'd be like, I wish I was like in their conversation. I wish that like I was sitting there and I would look over and say, I wish I was talking to them or just anybody. I wish I was in a group where I could like be talking. And I remember having a small, um, There was a focus meeting that the youth pastor had, and he called me to be part of it because he knew I was, like, not a regular, and I came. So he was asking, like, opinions on what could change. And I remember at 16 years old saying, there needs to be somebody at this church that, like, when someone walks in, they're their buddy. They, like, come and link arms and say, hey, come here, sit with me. And then, hey, do you know them? Come sit with us. And like, you just see someone by themselves and you bring them to you and to your world and you start talking. So I knew when Catalyst started, that's what I was gonna do. Because the, that is, I think is the biggest issue is loneliness, honestly, that all of these people, they wanted someone. That's why they kept coming and kept bringing people and kept like flocking to Catalyst because they, they would come and, um my one like i said one of the things that i knew i was going to do is make them feel seen and known so we all had name tags this is just the little cheesy um nuances i did at the beginning that helped connect them we would all have name tags so you would not forget who you're talking to and the next week when you came you may have met him but you forgot and then you don't want to ask again and so we would all just have the name tags That was just a thing and when someone new would come we'd be like. Hey, welcome, um, John! And everybody would say, "John, yay!" and clap, and we would we would celebrate them. And every week, I would say, "Hey, this is not um, a social night where you talk to your little friends." Every. Make sure that before you leave, you talk to someone you don't know. Every week, sit somewhere different. Don't sit with your friends. Sit by someone you don't know. Move your places. And and this isn't like to come and talk. We want work family. And so that's how when a new person would come, we'd pull them into the middle. We would celebrate them. And then we would bring them around to everybody. It was kind of a culture of knowing when there's someone new you don't know, go meet them. And then introduce them to everybody. And if someone comes up to you and you don't know them, Take them in, talk to them, and bring them to someone else. It was it it was a a culture. Like they just knew that's what you do. And I was able to create it small so that as it grew and we had 80 people, everybody knew everybody. One person would come and everybody would flock them, bring them, move them around, sit with them. Nobody would sit by themselves. That was not allowed. Not that I was a Nazi leader, but like you, you know, if someone's by themselves. Go sit with them and bring them over to someone else. It was just that intentional, intentionality. I
0: I had so much to say. I don't even know how to pick what to say. <laughs> uh, so this thing exploded and it got so big where you couldn't handle it by yourself. And what's interesting is it was a bunch of churches, people from a bunch of churches, which is a sign that the church... Is it giving them, it's kind of forgetting about them and it's not what they need. And I don't say that accusatory because I don't believe it's the church's fault, that that particular church's fault. I think it's the church as a whole. Yeah, I agree. The West, the Western church as a whole. I, I do believe that it, in some ways we're not doing Christianity right. I agree. And the church is weak, the work, the church is really weak. Like people, people aren't afraid of us, we're not dangerous. Mm-hmm. I've been thinking a, a lot about this lately, how the church at the beginning was very dangerous, so dangerous that Christians were getting killed, persecuted, yes. they feared the church. I think of like David's mighty men, you know, for fun, they would wrestle bears and lions. <laughs> You're right, we are not dangerous. No one's scared of West Western Christians. We are the butt of jokes. It is okay to make fun of Christians in the Western culture because everyone knows they're not going to do anything. They won't make fun of other religions, exactly. But they'll make fun of Christians because we're not going to do anything. Um, and so. One of those things, and I I think there's a lot of problems, but one of the things that's wrong is community, real, real community. And and what's resulting is incredible, deep, soul-crushing loneliness. I believe that loneliness is an assault by the enemy against modern Christian souls. And it's very, very effective. We have a church now that is depressed. We have a church that is filled with anxiety, does not believe in themselves, does not believe they could overcome the world like the early church did, it's asleep.
1: Yeah, and that's really sad. That that like the, not necessarily catalyst, but this topic and the heart behind catalyst, that like is my heart. Like people, like I love people. I love people. Like i I love people. That is something that the Lord has put in me. And like I see that and it breaks my heart to see someone not like feeling lonely or feeling alone because I know the feeling even just from being my big personality at 16 in a church like I would go talk to anybody and I still felt it so these people that are feeling so isolated and crushed and lonely that aren't and uh, they wouldn't do that like I just have this empathy for them and so that is why I I don't know. Like, it's just, I 100% agree with you. And, and like the people, that's what I would tell everybody is like at church, it. I think it's breaking out of our like selfishness too. I think that is a start is we're so like, we're going in, we're going to get it. We're going to see our friends. We're going to like the ones we already know that we built something with. We're going to sit down and do our thing and then leave and talk, go eat with our friends. But it's about more than that. And it's, it's, Seeing a person on the wall that is standing there waiting for the doors to open on their phone looking down, they're doing that because they're like, I don't have anybody to talk to. I'm just going to be in my phone. I wish this person over here would come say hi to me, but like, I don't know that. Like, I wish that someone, I'm by myself, I'm waiting for the doors to open. And I would tell people, go talk to the person that's on their phone. They are craving community, they are craving someone to just see them and go talk to them. And we're in church, like what more of a, what that's our, that's what we're supposed to do is like love people and have that authentic community. So I think it's a lot of breaking out of like our, our, our mm, blindness or our, our, like our rut that we like go into church, go get our coffee, go sit down. Like, you know, say hi to the ushers, sit down and leave it's it's going with an intention of who am i going to connect with today and then bring into my world not just like who am i going to say hi to who am i going to say hi to and say hey you want to sit with me it's just it it just takes a few to break that and and to create a wildfire what the what the lord can do with that if like there's just a few people that will like be aware and go and like See the people, see someone sitting by themselves with no one around and sit by and be, hey, can I sit here? Hey, do you want to come with us? Hey, do you know this person? Like, I don't know. That's that's That loneliness breaks my heart and the disconnect. Is it,
0: is it because there's not enough opportunities for community or is it because people don't know how to connect? Or is it a book?
1: Um, well, I think there's always an opportunity because you can make one. I, I mean, I don't think that that is the main problem. Is the opportunities because if you see a need, then create and Like, do something about it. But that's that entrepreneurial huh, in me. You know, I'm like, well, if I see a need and there's this this that I'm gonna what am I going to do to fix it? But not everybody is like that. But I think it's it's not that there's opportunities. I think it's just people being not being aware or not even. Maybe not, not that they're choosing to ignore, they just aren't even thinking about the person that is, you know, they're they're so busy just in their own um, agenda or their routine, they're not thinking. And I think that, um, like I said, it just takes a few to be aware and then it spreads. And then they, that's what happened at my old church is um, I was a welcomer at the door and I would say, hey, will you watch the door? I'm going to go take this new person to introduce them to someone. And I asked the one, I would have one or two people in the hall that I said, if I bring someone to you, will you like stick with them or at least bring them to someone else that will stick with them? And that's just, we kind of just created a like, if I bring someone, and you don't let them go until the end. And then at the end, bring them back. It It's just that mindfulness. I don't know that.
0: So got it has spoken to me in key times of my life through dreams and I used to hate people like people don't believe that but I did I hated people and I
1: don't believe it
0: I did I wanted to kill people (laughs) I was annoyed by them Um, but he healed me and he showed me that the reason I was like that was because I was just hurt. <laughs> I grew in an abusive household, and I just equated everybody to what my dad did to me. But when I first got saved, God gave me a dream. Um, in the dream, I made a skyscraper. I was in the library, and it was both Andrea and me. At the top of the skyscraper, I see bullets being shot at us from another skyscraper, and it's a demon, and he has this sniper rifle. He's just sh- shooting at us. I tell Andrea, "Get down! I got this." And I actually was excited. Uh, I was like, "Yes, <laughs> a fight! I love to fight." So um, I uh, I had a shot, shotgun. And I kicked, I kicked the window down to, to break it, and I just started shooting at this demon. Now, my shotgun was a close-rate, a close-rate weapon, and the bullets would just go nowhere near the demon. But his, his bullets kept coming closer and closer. I started to get scared, and I was like, I realized I had nothing to fight this guy with. Yeah. And so I got down, and... I just waited, not knowing what to do, and the bullets getting in closer and closer. I looked beside me, and there was a red phone. And so I picked it up, and I dialed 911. And it kept ringing. No one answered. Kept ringing. No one answered. And then I wake up from the dream, and I heard God say in my spirit, it might have even been an audible voice, um, but I heard God say, fellowship so that someone answers that phone and it was the first time that I realized that I needed other people to get to where God wanted to take me and after that an unfolding of fellowship just opened up. God just kept talking to me about fellowship. I want you to talk to people. I want you to like step out of your comfort zone. And one of the things he told me was he said, I want you to own your fellowship. Don't fellowship out of convenience like the church is doing. They think that just going to church and the people around you are the people that you're supposed to be fellowshiping with. Whereas God was telling me to think a different way. Think about your calling, thinking about my, where I'm trying to take you and hang out with and connect with people that, that can get you to where I'm trying to take you.
1: Yes, that is so good and so true and needed. That That's something that now Austin and I that's where we're at too is like we know what the lord is going to be doing and so we're being intentional like you said owning our connections and our community and our circle and like maybe it's inconvenient maybe it's not you know like just building it and being intentionally building i think that's one thing now too nowadays we are talking about people being kind of lazier and and with the hustle culture and them now kind of being um okay with the status quo i think it's um with people in relationships, it's it's people don't really care. They don't want to build it. They don't want to make an effort. It, you know, I'll just call and say hey, or I'll just show up at church. But people aren't really being intentional in building and, and them taking part in them building a relationship with someone. Inconveniently, maybe, but it,
0: it yeah. Fellowship is a deep word, and part of that is risk, and. And that's why I'm saying we don't know how to connect because there requires some vulnerability. There requires taking a risk to get hurt, you yeah. know, to really share. The reason why we're depressed and lonely is because we're not having real conversations. Yeah. We're not having talk of real problems. We're not confessing our sins to our brothers and sisters, like the Bible says, there is actually a, an anointing and a breakthrough that comes when you confess your sins to a brother or sister.
1: Yes. I have felt that I have, you know, like you're saying, I have one person that I can tell anything to no judgment. And just it, I mean, the Bible even says that like, that's, to confess our sins to one another, it's because he knew that it would, it it kind of, when you're not and you're living in your own world and you're going back and forth to church and you're not authentically connecting, like you said, um, with someone to like true deep fellowship, then you sin and you can kind of justify it to yourself or you can kind of, you know, the darkness starts surrounding you. But the minute, the instant that you have someone that you can like bring light onto that sin or that, that thing, it, the light, it brings it out into the light and the enemy can't torment you. The enemy, you know, it, it, dispels the darkness and that the enemy tries to seclude in that sin by opening your mouth and telling someone. And if we don't have that authentic um, relationship with someone or that group of people that we can be like, look, this is what I did. And like, I, yeah, I did this this and this and this. And, um, I'm just sharing it. I'm not, you know. I just want to tell you. You have prayer, like it. It does. It really. It it gives you like a release of breakthrough.
0: The, uh, I was reading Romans and it was saying that uh, there's power hanging out in the light, and it it was saying expose the darkness, and the darkness will turn into light. Yes and so but we need each other for that we need each other to hang out in the light and the soul just doesn't work without fellowship we were created for fellowship and there's this weird movement where people are secluding themselves ever since the pandemic there's just this belief in a false peace that comes from seclusion and just being away from people but really it's just tying people back into further to anxiety and depression. Yeah. Even the technology that we're doing. I mean, the soul was never created for that. The soul was never created to watch hours of Netflix being on your Instagram, um, like for hours every day. The, The soul will break.
1: Yeah. And and like with that, it it is a false sense of um, filling the void of community. Scroll, 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 or watch, 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 binge watch. You're filling what you think is um, the void. It's just a void that needs to be filled by true community. And that's why you're done and you still have this crippling depression or anxiety because it didn't do anything but just like buy you some time. You know, I, I 100% agree that where we're at now, and like you said, with the pandemic, that people are, and they think like, oh, well, we don't need to go to church now because we have it online. Like, I got comfortable in, like, the online and what I created watching it here, um, and, and I'm okay. I, I read my Bible myself, and, and no, we we that is so false. And the thing that still helps me most of what you said is that it is a superficial system at church. Like church does, like that just keeps sticking in my head. It's it's spot on. It's no, it's not that anybody is being superficial. It's the system that is created that seems so great that is not right. allowing for. It, it's a it's kind of like a scroll on Instagram, so to speak. Is like you're going there and you're getting like a false sense of like community and connection.
0: Right. Which is why I believe there's a lot of disruption happening the um, God told me that he was going to be disrupting systems because he, he wants to move it away that the citizen, citizens aren't allowing him to. And so he's going to break the systems. Uh, but there is a huge need. I, I ran into the pastor, one of the pastors of this large church. They have actually three different sites. And he was telling me how much they were growing, like standing room only. He says we don't have enough space, and they're mostly millennials. I said, "Really?" And he goes, "Yeah." And he goes, well, we're having certain challenges because to the people these are." He said, "A lot of them had experienced churcher, and they're coming back, uh, but they had different beliefs that make it challenging, which they're okay with, but they they need to find solutions to." So, for one uh, one of the things he said is they're not givers, and so like they're having to provide more with little money. Yeah. Um, And they just had all these different beliefs, which they're trying to overcome so that they could raise them up right, you know? Yes. And I asked him, I said, like, like, what do you need? Uh, He goes, we need older people like Joshua and Caleb who say, I could still fight
1: Yes, that's so good.
0: So we need like more ve- more experienced Christians to come back and be willing to fight for these people who are coming in.
1: Yeah, to be intentional and be willing to just fight for for that. Yeah, that that is crazy because they do. You know, it is gr- a lot of those millennial churches are growing and growing fast and like all of this, but they don't have. The Joshua and Caleb's. I've I've talked with um Austin about that and some other people, but that you need every you need that you need them in the church. You know they think oh we have a cool church we're a cool millennial church we do rap on stage we do that but like nobody is giving them that like you said teaching um really the Bible like it we've kind of gotten into a this is like a side skirt well you know like a a kind of a fluffy fun like we're cool but
0: meanwhile everyone's sleeping with one another
1: right exactly it's it's true and there's no no um sin being taught like i don't i i'm just telling you i've been to a lot of churches and i haven't heard like this is sin this is it like taught at all i just hear God's with you. He'll help you through it. You're going through this. Turn to God. Like those kind of messages, like all left together. But I think we need it. Like you said, God is shaking and and deconstructing and all of that because if we need, we need the older. We need that back in the church. We need the pastors who are like preaching Bible, which is sin. Sin is sin is sin. Is sin. And these younger millennials, like you said, are coming in and and they're not really connecting. And it's a false sense of what actually church and and the bible is really
0: i wouldn't have you back but i want to talk about deconstruction which i think can be very very dangerous a lot of people are going through deconstruction and i don't have anything against deconstruction because i think it's something that god uses i know i went through a deconstruction at one point in my life but it was spirit-led right and the Bible says that it's the Holy Spirit that will lead you into truth. If you're not being led by the Holy Spirit, and I think a lot of people are going through construction without the Holy Spirit, so that's dangerous because you are basically inviting demons to affect how you're thinking. And he will, you, you think if you're starting to question the Bible, he's not going to come there and say, hey, what about this? This was, This is... This is not true, you know. Did, did he really say, don't eat the fruit from this tree? Did he really say that?
1: <laughs> Sounds familiar. Um, Yeah, I, I totally agree. And it's it's like such a slippery slope, too, if it's not Holy Spirit-led, like you said. Because, you know, people just start, they're making these, these construction videos. They're giving all their, their own personal, them and whatever enemy, like you said, they let in and influence them. They're just sharing all of this stuff and people are just sucking it in because they're thinking, oh, that's right. I mean, that's just it's like a wildfire. And it's really sad because I there's a few people that I know that were even like pastors and youth pastors and different things that like I see them leading living a deconstructed, completely different, anti-God, can't even believe they can justify it life right now. And they think that they're doing right and they think that They've just deconstructed their beliefs that they've been indoctrinated by. And, and it is. It's demonic-led.
0: The the stuff that I hear pastors say on social media, it, it, I, I feel like throwing up. It's so far out there. And it sounds smart. That's the thing. It sounds so smart. If I'm thinking with my mind, I'm thinking this makes sense. But my spirit just feel so sick. Here's the thing. God is so big, so wonderful. Our minds, our finite minds cannot possibly grasp the, the concept, that even it's just said the, the image, image of such a, a, a big God. So the moment that, that you start to, to, to deconstruct and you start to mentally understand things <laughs> that cannot be understood, you are in for a world of hurt.
1: It's so true. And then you start to share that with others and and the other Christians or Christians or baby Christians or people that are searching for whatever they start listening and they're like, hey, that makes sense because they don't read the Bible for themselves. They don't they don't have the Holy Spirit that they go to. And so it just creates this whole. Yeah, it's crazy. It's crazy what I've heard. Like you said, what I've heard people say and and like preach it like it's the Bible.
0: Right. I thank God that I wasn't raised in the church. Um, I thank God, oh that, that sounded weird saying that, <laughs> so I apologize if you were raised in the church. but uh, Part of me is thankful that I wasn't raised in the church because I didn't get saved because it made sense. In fact, I didn't like Christians. Uh, I thought all of you were weird. <laughs> Some and, of us are. <laughs> And when I realized that God was real in circumstances where my life was in danger, I couldn't deny that he existed. I I realized that what was happening was not natural and that I was alive because someone bigger than me was keeping me alive. And so... The times in my life now that I'm a Christian that don't make sense, I I don't even think of it as a possi- the possibility that he doesn't exist because I, I can't deny what happened. Yeah. So I thank God that I'm not saved because of understanding. And the Christians who are deconstructing without the Holy Spirit and trying to understand things will walk away until... They give in to the Holy Spirit.
1: That's what we need. We need more Holy Spirit of it. I think that yeah, for sure. Because it they, they do. And then it's just that that's the enemy's great plan. Like you said, it, it sounds so smart. If you think of it with your mind, you can create these concepts. And then the enemy wants you to sound smart. So as you're putting it out there, right? These these false ideas that your flesh and the devil have given you the they're gonna sound smart because he's sneaky snake and you know like you said when we don't have that understanding and that that holy spirit that can bring light to the craziness that may seem crazy that our our finite minds and our flesh minds can't understand then it, it will make sense like i can see how easily it would be if i didn't have the holy spirit to read and be like yeah but that is you know i've had people try to talk me into why what I believe is wrong or why, oh, it that isn't what it means. And it sounds smart. And like, if I wasn't so strong and didn't have the Holy Spirit, I would be maybe possibly swayed me. Like, so it's not that I'm this person, but I, I have the Holy Spirit and I can still be like, well, I see where you're saying. Please don't share that with anybody that's not strong because you could sway them.
0: Well, I thank you for being on the show you are definitely coming back we're gonna talk about the deconstruction yeah, anyways you're welcome
1: thank you for having me I, I had fun and i appreciate it
0: hey i hope you like the show if you got something from it and want to bless me back leave a review on itunes or apple Podcasts, and also subscribe to my channel if you want to connect with me on social media my instagram is at kingdom.moves i pray that god gives you hope and that you step into everything he's got planned for you. Peace.